The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Kids, close your blinds and open your minds. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 307 with guest Sahil Malik, recorded live Tuesday, January 8, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now, offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by the Ants Profiler from Redgate Software, the .NET profiler of choice of over 11,000 developers worldwide. Online at www.red-gate.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who keeps his pet peeves in a terrarium, Carl Franklin. Hey, thank you very much. Carl Franklin here with Richard Campbell uh, in Vancouver and New London. How are you, sir? Well, I'm good. Uh, it's the moving adventure for me. Yes. So we're uh, we're moving out the family from the house, just the upstairs, going down to another house while we plan our year-long renovation. So are you in the new place now? or No, I'm in the old house because the basement's still intact, and that's where the studio is. Right. Yeah, so. you don't sound different. No, everything's the same for me, for work anyway. It's just that now I have to actually go to work, which is two blocks away. Right, right. Well, Richard, let's uh, let's get right into Better Know Framework, shall we? Awesome. So the Better Know Framework uh, this week is really a response that uh, Thomas Betts, who's a good friend of the show, sent to us. And he says, uh, Carl, in the Better Know Framework bit on show 305, you covered the iComparable, or comparable, depending on your geographic location, interface. Your discussion about the CompareTo method was partially correct. CompareTo is most commonly used for sorting and returns an int32 specifying the relative order of the objects being compared. Uh, negative equals less than zero, zero equals equal, positive equals greater than. What you described, comparing whether two objects are equal and returning true or false, is actually performed using the equals method. And when I saw that, I said, 
Of course it is. Dope. <laughs> it's like, you know, how many times have I written the code? And yeah. Uh, and equals must be overwritten if you uh, implement I comparable. So thank you, Thomas, uh, for uh, you know calling us out on that, calling me out on that one. Um, thanks. And uh, I just wanted to clarify that just in case any anybody was as confused as I was. So excellent. What do you got, Richard? I this is a fairly lengthy email, but it's an interesting one. It took an interesting angle for me, so I, I wanted to read it out to you. Uh, Hi, Carl and Richard. I am working as a test manager in a large company that provides software outsourcing services worldwide in Minsk, Belarus. Minsk. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Hi, the Belarus. I'd like to say that your talk show is fantastic. and You're doing a very good job on it. First time I saw a kind of advertisement was from one of our development managers. I thought it would be quite boring for testers listening to the details of implementation in .NET, like how to fight with this feature or that feature of the framework or something like this. But to my surprise, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun, interesting guests, common geeky things that are quite easy to get everyone, not only .NET developers, interested in. Yeah. The first show I was listening to was the one with Kim Tripp, Uh-oh. 178, I believe. Nice start. And yeah, all really. that chat about Richard's system that loads up in two seconds from the kind of four gig RAM disk, that was really what needed to make the show hot, at least from the point of view <laughs> of a computer geek. Yeah, and whatever happened to that piece of hardware, Richard? Uh, it died in the <laughs> fish tank explosion. Thanks very much for bringing that up. I feel so much better now. <laughs> anyway, he uh, he got... You know, obviously enjoyed the format of the show. And it's funny because it's the non-work stuff that he seems to like the most. Right. But then gets into this good question. What about testers? Hmm. I believe it would be interesting to dedicate some shows to testing and collaborations between testers and developers. Some special guests. I know there were some episodes about unit testing, TDD, and things like that. But functional testing wasn't even touched. Hmm. And I wonder if there are reasons for it. Anyway... For example, it might be interesting for testers to listen to one of the authors of the book, A Tester's Guide to .NET Programming, or discuss features with the Microsoft versus Team System for testers, or with someone from Microsoft, or just inviting someone from the other software companies to share thoughts and ideas on approaches and techniques. And of course, it might be closely related to .NET itself. That would be great, I believe. And you know, really, I think what he's getting at here is, it's we talk about this being a talk show for .NET developers, but it's reaching a larger audience. Sure. And so maybe we ought to embrace that audience a bit more. Yeah, And sure. his name was uh, Andre Kalubukau. I hope I got that right, Andre. Thanks very much for your email. And I'll tell you two things. One is there is a show coming up about unit testing with databases. Right. Which is uh, in the immediate future. And also, I'm using the test edition of Studio a lot for doing load testing and things on web servers. And it just slipped my mind that I really we should be doing a show about this. And then, of course, you know, one of our sponsors, um, Redgate Software, has their Ants Profiler, which is just great stuff, too. Yeah, there are other profiles out there, but that one seems to be the one that the guys that I talk to who are really serious about testing say, this is the tool. The stuff that comes with Studio. Yeah. There's the ones that come with Studio, but Redgate's one is amazing. Oh, oh, Ants Profile. Yeah, that's... So, two things for the listeners. I mean, one is we are looking into somewhat, but if we're not doing enough, by all means, send us some more email. Do you want to talk more about testing? I'd love to dig into team systems some more. Excellent. Fire us an email at .NET rocks at franklins.net. 
All right, Richard. And with that, let's introduce our old friend Sahil Malik from winsmarts.com. Sahil, of course, is a uh, author, trainer, a consultant in various Microsoft technologies. He's an MVP. He's an Ineta speaker. Uh, he's a very prolific blogger and uh, a SharePoint 2007 expert. Also, he is the voice of uh, the voice of wisdom on the SharePoint 2000 uh, training DVD, which we sell here at franklins.net. Uh, welcome, Sahil. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing great. This is going to be a really laid-back talk, I can tell. We're, we're recording late. We're all friends. <laughs> Let's just say the censors are listening. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's going to be beeperific. Is that right? This is going to be an editing job, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they're all editing jobs, but some are more of a job than others. <laughs> some cost us more. <laughs> okay, well, it's going to be fun, though. <clears throat> I know I'm laid back right now. You didn't start out in SharePoint. How did you end up here? Well, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting question. Uh, you, you know, the nature of our business is change, and, uh, you know, we, we just need to be open to change. You're not running for president, are you? Yeah, nice waffle, dude. Me? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the buzzword. This uh, campaign is change. Change, oh, yeah, that's change, right. change, um, change, change, yeah. change. Yeah, I don't know about who the next president is going to be, but, you know, I hope it's nobody we've seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> but, we want even more change. Yeah, we need more change. We need me to be president. That's right. So uh, I'm sorry. I totally threw threw a pie in your face. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, that's all right. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's right. That's right. I didn't really start out in yeah, SharePoint. Yeah, you were mostly you were totally an ASP.NET guy in and the early ADO.NET, and you were in the database stuff yeah. very early. Yeah, and you know that, that was basically because no matter where you go, you can't run away from a database. No, nope, uh, even always in there. SharePoint, you can't. Right. And, and Richard, you're, you're a very heavily data-centric guy yourself, but I, I think you'll attest to this fact that data doesn't exist in vacuum either. You know, you know data, everything, but then you got to know the stuff around it to really deliver a solution to the client, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, data's no good if it just sits in a database. You bet. Uh, and, and that's really what pushed me to SharePoint is that when I, when I saw, especially SharePoint 2007, that really what clients care about is getting their solution. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what technologies are used. It doesn't matter how you formed it. As long as flicking the switch is going to turn that light bulb on, that's really what they care about. And SharePoint 2007 just has amazing blocks built into it. That it just it just lights up CIOs' eyes like LED light bulbs all over the globe. Hmm. Yeah. Is it the is it the point and clickiness of it that that the managers and CEOs love about I'm sorry, it. did you say pointy clickiness? I did. Oh, man. Point and clickiness. <laughs> that's, a, that's a technical term. Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I, well, no, I, th I think what they really like is the rapid application development or the shorter lifestyle, uh, life cycle. Uh, uh, because, you know, the, the, the classic problem with, with us developers is, we're given a problem, and then you know if we go in this incubator to to create a solution for that, and it, you know it doesn't matter. You can throw more and more developers towards a problem, but you know, nine women can't make a baby in a month. It still takes a certain amount of time, right? <laughs> and yeah, but it might SharePoint, be fun to try. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and people have and failed. So. <laughs> 
For SharePoint, you can just quickly prototype something, and if the client likes it, and then you can explain. the. It's just a lot easier to explain what the final solution is going to look like when you have 80% of it already done, and you're spending effort and time on 20%, not 100%. Right. But now, the problem with prototypes is they get put into production. Yeah, that's that's actually that's actually an interesting uh, uh, paradigm we run into. There, you know, JetBlue. This is this is an interesting incident. There was an incident. Um, I guess it was a, a couple of years ago or one year ago where uh, JetBlue had this massive computer meltdown. Yeah, and, I remember. Yes. Yeah, and their passengers were stranded. Stranded on the tarmac. Yep, and and uh, you know, a bunch of developers uh, landed James Bond style in a in a save the Samsonite kind of episode. Yeah, so a few times the developers get to wear sunglasses. It, it, yeah, and and it, sunglasses and Windows Mobile devices, and they chalked up a solution really, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they basically, you know, came up with a solution, and and people were just happily sitting in airplane seats, and they were flying back home. Yeah. Uh, so this was this is you know everybody was bragging about how easy it is to develop stuff on Microsoft technologies, et cetera, et cetera. Shortly thereafter, um, you know, the JetBlue CEO goes, you, this, you know, the system was so damn good that we decided to make it a permanent feature in our system. So, wow. You know, so basically, it, the, the truth. The hard truth of our industry is no matter what code you write, it's going to end up in production. So you're better write it with that mentality. Right. Now, so our prototypes may be prototypes, but they're they're going to go into productions. So we got to build them with that in mind. And you think SharePoint, what you can throw together, you can roll out? Well, it, this is a two-edged sword because it, you can put together something very, very quickly. And the 80% scenario sometimes works very well, but the 20% scenario needs some more work. Right. And I think I it is important as a SharePoint consultant to communicate that very, very clearly, that what you're looking at is is a prototype, it's in a lab environment, and you know there is this additional work that needs to be done to, to make the system really usable. Uh, and, but if right. you're a .NET developer and you're tackling a system without SharePoint, you're going to be writing much more code. Well, you know, here right. I think it's where we mix this whole thing up. When we don't start with these Titanic frameworks, we have this long ramp-up time. The The time to the first screen is three months. Right. You know, that kind of right. thing. Where with SharePoint, the time to the first screen is three days. The problem is that odds are you're still a long way away from finishing. It's yeah. almost like you fooled them. You got them sucked in with that quick response early on. Now the question is, is the actual net time less? So that begs the question, Sahil. What are the kinds of, what are the kinds of things that you would run into later on in a project that you have to code by hand or you have to sort of work within the, the SharePoint system, which might take a little bit of, uh, you know, learning curve? Well, uh, that's a good question. So I think I think the overall time ends up being lesser for ninety percent of the scenarios. Uh, but uh, you know, here's a good example of where you run into walls where the end user doesn't realize, but we as developers would know that uh, you know this is going to require extra work. Uh, SharePoint 2007 is big on social computing features, so you have things like blogs, etc., built into it, right? Uh, and discussion forums and so on and so forth. So. So let's say that a client comes up and says, I'd like a networking center built out for my organization. And you say, well, yeah, SharePoint's got all these neat features, blogs and discussion forums and blah, blah. And you build this out, right? 
Uh, and, and then the client says, well, okay, you built me uh, this uh, awesome social networking area for my organization. Uh, I'd like to throw up a chat room. And SharePoint doesn't come with a chat room out of the box, right? Uh, but this is this is one of those scenarios where the client really had no way of knowing that what's inside the, this bucket called SharePoint, uh, but you as a developer did, uh, and this is where you would have to end up write custom code. Right. All of a sudden, all that stuff you did in a few days, you've got a couple of weeks of work to try and make that work, and you're going to have to debug and on and well, on. Well, I mean, on. you're not going to write right. your own chat room. You know, you're you're going to buy a, a module or something that exists and and just plug it in. I mean, you, if can't, you can find one. Well, but we're talking ASP.NET. That is correct. SharePoint is built on ASP.NET 2.0, but it 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 takes about three minutes at best to set up a blog using SharePoint, right? right? But even if you start writing a chat room in ASP.NET, and even if you're a damn good developer, no, I don't mean it, I don't mean writing one. I mean Purchasing a chat server that comes with maybe, um, you know, a Java applet, a, some sort of front end, uh, a pure HTML, Ajax, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If it comes in a page, you can strip that down and you can put that inside of a frame. You could put that inside of a web control and, and plug that, uh, web control in as a, as a, uh, I mean, there's ways to do this stuff, you know? Oh, of course there are, but everything takes time. And I, I assure you, no matter how good you are, the, the technique that you described is still going to take a couple of hours sure. to do that. Sure, I'm just saying that it is, a... since it's based on ASP.NET, there's a, right. you, you, you know plug, plugging stuff in that already exists is going to be easier than writing it from scratch. It just means you're still going to have to get it into the SharePoint framework. It's, That's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 host is no longer just ASP.NET; it is SharePoint as well. Right, unless you go outside of the SharePoint URLs and and simply you know link right. to another page. You know, you know the, the essence, I think, over here is, like Richard mentioned a couple of moments ago, that in a standard hand, handcrafted ASP.NET application, your first screen is three months away. And it isn't until the end user sees the first screen and goes, yeah, can we move that text box over there and turn it into a radio button? And they totally don't realize the kind of impact that might cause. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I want to move the first floor of a 60-floor skyscraper that you built. Uh, they, and the users don't realize that. So SharePoint just brings you to that stage a lot quicker, yeah. and it gives you so much more functionality a lot quicker in the product cycle that it eliminates a lot of communication gaps and basically enhances productivity. Right. Um, just to, to follow up on the sort of line I was thinking of, you you can uh, build custom web parts, and those web parts can contain web controls or or other things. I know oh, you, you bet. Can, I know you can do that because we did it in the video. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. And web parts and workflows and info path forms. Yeah, it, it is. It, that's the beauty of any Microsoft right. product that it's very, very, very extensible. So if you have a web control that sort of encapsulates some UI of something, you can get mm-hmm. that into a SharePoint page very easily. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But not as easy as taking the existing controls and, like I said, not as easy as adding a blog. Yes, that's right. It's not point and click. You do have to write code. That That's a fully functional application. That's a site definition. So if somebody else could have written a site definition that you could easily plug into your SharePoint installation, that's possible. But if nobody's written exactly what you want, then you're going to have to write it. Yeah, and, and I think, there's, like I said, it was literally a few minutes 
doing the research to find out what else is out there is going to take that long. Like the, the, the time span gets bigger and bigger, and bigger, but you're still talking days. If I can find somebody who's making, ideally I'm making, we're using a chat room as an example. I'm making, I'm looking for a chat room tool for SharePoint. And I'm out there looking right now. Haven't found one yet. If I can find one and I can buy it now within a few days, I'm up with that feature. Right. But if right. I can't find one, I guess now the next step would be let's go find uh, an ASP.NET code base for for a chat room and adapt it to SharePoint. And I think that's the vague part. How much work is that going to be? It is um, comparable to writing it in plain ASP.NET, I would say. Once you get familiar with SharePoint, it'll, it, it's probably just as quick or maybe a little bit quicker than writing it in plain vanilla ASP.NET. So if right. you're going to code it, it's about the same. I guess it's more right. of the adaption. Uh, all right, I've got this code for a chat room that runs in ASP.NET. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just going to drop in and run in SharePoint. I think there's more well, rules than that. Is it going to drop in and run in your existing system w- without SharePoint either? Good point. Good point. Suppose it is an ASP.NET chat room, then it would drop into a regular existing site. Well, unless you had, you know, authentication, authorization, URLs, uh, right. you know, all the things that SharePoint does, mm-hmm. you know, you're still stuck with that same problem. I right. mean, it's, it's a kind of thing out. where the features are there in order to work within those features. Uh, it takes right. a little work. The, 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 you know, the reality is that any functional application has got so many moving parts and and the whole provider model that was introduced with ASP.NET 2.0 was just to introduce some consistency yeah. between a, a lot of these common moving parts between every single application. And as long as your chat room or any application fits into those moving parts, it'll work very easily in SharePoint. But but we all know from experience that uh, the provider model doesn't encompass every single situation you might run into. And and you just have to build those adapters when when plugging in any third party piece of code, and that's just that's that's a problem that's not typical to SharePoint. That could be a problem typical to your homegrown framework, right? With, with an additional twist that your homegrown fr- framework is probably, uh, you know, there's probably one or two guys that really know it. Hey, this is Carl. I just want to take a minute out of the show to tell you about Telerik Q2 2000 Tools update, which can be summed up this way blazing fast performance for ASP.NET, WPF-like visual effects for Windows Forms, and codeless reporting. The AJAX-based content editor is now 76% faster and much more intuitive. The grid also received a performance boost, plus PDF export, frozen columns, and they've even added a new awesome scheduling component. What I find even more intriguing is Telerik's Windows Form Suite. It's unbelievable that it offers WPF-like visual effects like scaling, rotation, object motion, transparencies, and so on without WPF. As a result, you could have grids, tree views, ribbons, and more with a previously impossible level of interactivity and appeal. Telerik has recently added cab support which makes the component set a perfect fit for large enterprise applications. Lastly, with Telerik reporting, you can create advanced business reports in Windows, Web, or PDF format using pretty much design time only. Wizards, expression builders, and converters help you with the design, styling, and integration. You'll also be amazed to see some unique features, 
like CSS-like styling and conditional formatting. See what all the fuss is about. Download a trial at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for sponsoring .NET Rocks. The big whammy I have with Homegrown Framework is I'm building new code against it, and I have an error, and I don't know if it's my error or the framework's error. And the guy right. who wrote the framework's on vacation. <laughs> right. And with SharePoint, you know comment. you can blame it on Microsoft. Right. Yeah. But there, even, even with everything said, there is one thing about SharePoint that I don't like, though. Uh, the, the biggest impediment uh, in getting a SharePoint project done is, is finding good SharePoint people. Uh, yeah. Seriously, finding a good SharePoint guy these days. I mean, you have better odds of finding a, 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 a you know a C plus plus programmer who is also a part time bikini model. It's wow, a- that's really frightening me, Sahil. You got to stop saying stuff like that. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> we'll do. We're gonna edit that out. <laughs> oh God, censored. <laughs> uh, but to your point, it's unlikely you'll find someone like that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, SharePoint 2007 is a game changer because, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the buyer that Carl read for me had a sentence in there that he, uh, he, he, he took out, which is that I also have the dubious distinction of being the biggest Darknet Rocks fan. I mean, I've listened to every <laughs> single show and I've caused the most trouble in the Darknet Rocks chat room. <laughs> you would attest to that, right? Oh, yes. And since you guys stopped the chat room and well, I'm that's listening because to of you, that's, you're the reason we stopped it. The whole reason. Man, I can't wait till you bring that back, though. Oh, yeah, he says we're bringing it back. We, <laughs> we're bringing it back right? with an IP filter. Yeah, we will. Oh, crap. So, but you know, when I when I'm listening to your shows now, and like I was listening to the Silverlight show, and SharePoint 2007 is a game changer. And when I look at the rest of the Microsoft technology spectrum, I don't see another game changer. So it was kind of interesting. A couple of uh, days back, I heard the Jeff Prosize show on Silverlight. Right. And, you know, you, you guys are, uh, you know, yeah, Silverlight is great, awesome. And Carl, in his enviable style, like he always does, he goes, so what's Silverlight good for? And everybody's like, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, we got a couple of emails on that one. Yeah, and, 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 then, and then I remember Jeff said that we've gotten so slotted into thinking in a particular way without having the power of Silverlight. But I have, a, I have a link for you guys. You know, one, another another theme that came out was the power of Silverlight as far as video and audio capabilities and tool is going to be even better. Hmm. Um, go to shrinkster.com slash TQZ. And abc.com has implemented uh, a, a mechanism to to stream live stream HD content over the internet. Well, you know what? It's not just ABC. Netflix is doing it. Uh, Discovery Channel is doing it. Um, NBC right. and CBS are doing it, too. Is this all Silverlight? Well, that's, that was exactly my point. Net, Netflix uses Silverlight, right. but ABC does not use Silverlight. Right? And, and that's exactly what I wanted to uh, bring forth, is that ABC has built this amazing, amazing... Um, HD content streaming, um, you know, theater or whatever you want to call it, you can wa- you can watch full episodes on that, and it it, it has got WPF like uh, surfaces where you know you have a carousel of of various um, videos that you might want to watch, and it, it's got all these jazzy effects. But here was the thing that I was really impressed about that it constantly monitors your bandwidth. And it streams the content appropriate for your bandwidth. So even if you have um, HD-like bandwidth 
and you start watching the movie and you start a big download in another window and now you got less bandwidth, the video will automatically compensate for that and it'll drop the quality a little bit while the while the download is, is running. That's pretty cool. Hmm. And all of this built without Silverlight. Okay. So, I mean, and you make your point. Silverlight's not a totally unique solution. And is your implication then that SharePoint is? I think SharePoint is indeed a big game changer. And uh, when I look at the Microsoft technology spectrum, uh, I don't, I don't see any such big game, big game changers. I mean, a link, you know, sorry for raining on the parade, but it, it affects about 10% of my life. Link does, uh, but not 100%. And I remember three or four years, three or four years back when we were, uh, when we were first introduced with Link, I remember we, were, you know, uh, Anders uh, talked about Link and, and every developer was walking around with morning wood next day. But the thing is, once you get over that and once you try and fit that, you know, here's the thing. When a developer says, what is the value of Link? Um, and, and the developer says, well, it makes working with collections a lot easier. Right. right? Working with well, data, but it's really collections. Well, you know, throw that to a, a non-tech person and ask him what that means. What is the collection and what does he care about? Right. But in the case of SharePoint, you, you tell him that you'll be able to visually map your uh, business process workflows and end business users will be able to create very compelling forms that are cross-platform and oh by the way this whole thing works on a mobile device and it's very easy to expose it on the internet as well now yeah. that is something that, that it immediately hits their uh, well, it, it immediately grabs their attention there's something that they understand mm. and that's why i think sharepoint is a game changer whereas a lot of other technologies are not now, you also said that 2007 was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Of course, Microsoft, every time they ship a new version, they say that. Do you think 2007 somehow stands apart from the others, or is it just a steady progression? Well, there's a very, it does stand apart from others, and I think there's a very good reason why. Um, SharePoint started with 2001, and uh, then, then there was 2003. But, and and you, you could use .NET, in 2003, but it was sort of backfitted onto 2003. It hasn't been until 2007 that, uh, that, you know, 2007 is built on .NET. So .NET is in the DNA of 2007. Um, and the whole pent-up energy, because .NET has been extremely successful, so the whole pent-up energy of the last seven years has certainly hit SharePoint. And, and SharePoint, even 2003, when... End users would see it. They'd be like, "Great, this is awesome!" But, I, but, but can you take it that extra mile? And that extra mile was just so hard to do. Whereas now that it is built on solid ASP.NET 2.0 principles, uh, it, it's just a lot more easier and practical and maintainable to do that. Hmm. Right. Hmm. And it's it's just a you know this is this goes to show i think where better architecture can really make a huge difference i think silverlight 2.0 is going to be a lot more compelling silverlight 1 1 with you know all the javascript uh, you know javascript is a little bit like a sausage factory uh you know there's there's a lot of gunk in there and we'll eat it as long as we don't have to see it uh but you know it's it's not maintainable it's not the i've never seen anything bring a 16 core machine to its knees as as javascript does uh and managed code code doesn't have those issues um and you know i think silverlight 2.0 will probably be a lot more compelling 
We talked a little bit about the lack of SharePoint developers out there, given mm-hmm. the fact that if you can get through all the menus and all the stuff, which, you know, which was a big part of what we did in the training video, by the way, and you can understand where to apply the code and where to apply the workflow uh, as just a, a, a good .NET developer. Um, a little bit of XML expertise is probably a good idea. Do you see, um, do you see a lot of consultants going that route, jumping on the bandwagon or is it still, is there still just a, a total lack of good talent out there? Well, the smarter consultants are definitely going that route. Uh, but I, I think even right now there is a dearth of good SharePoint consultants. Yeah. Uh, but but the right guy with the right .NET skills can easily pick up on SharePoint. Yeah, well, yeah. And there's just money laying out there for you if you're going to do it. Yes. Hmm. Um, it, SharePoint is, is a good place to be in. And so, you know, anybody who's on the fence should consider it, I think. There's no reason not to. Well, and, and, and I know, I mean, honestly, I'm not really in the consulting business anymore, but the guys I know that are out there that I think are really smart guys, that's exactly what they're doing. They're jumping in you know, with both feet into SharePoint, and and, they're, and and now I don't hear from them because they're so busy. And I happen to know at least two consulting companies that are constantly looking for SharePoint developers. Constantly. There you go. Even now. Yeah, and I think it's going to remain that way for a little bit because the platform is just so compelling and, it, you know, it's so easy to produce workable code using uh, SharePoint 2007 that I don't think it's uh, going away that soon. So it's a, it's a good field to jump in. Though uh, I, I will mention that there's a philosophic, philosophical difference between plain vanilla.net and, uh, and, and SharePoint that in plain vanilla.net we're probably used to a lot better tooling support and, you know, it was funny when I was writing a workflow for SharePoint 2007. I don't know if it was you, Carl, but I've gotten this comment a lot where people pause me and say, is there an easier way to do all this? And I said, yes, and I'm showing you the easier way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, when SharePoint 2007 was released, we didn't even have those templates that, that, that make it so easy to develop a workflow now. Uh, earlier it was you had to literally get on your knees and, and do the whole thing yourself. Uh, so the tooling support in SharePoint 2007 is a, is not as good, it is much more inferior than plain vanilla.net. But once you get over the gag factor, all kinds of possibilities open up. Yeah. I, I was really impressed by the workflow support. You know, how workflow really, really fit in to SharePoint. Yeah, you know, one of the uh, hidden weapons in, in SharePoint is uh, is also InfoPath. Yes. And it, it is it is just amazing how much you can get done with InfoPath forms. Yeah. InfoPath 2007 is is just is a fantabulous product. I'm still not don't quite get the. Real, I always think of InfoPath as like what access used to be. You know, in in the concept of a lightweight form generator that creates data, I just haven't quite gotten where the relationship to SharePoint is. Well, I can tell you because I've lived through this uh, with Sahil, and that is that it generates forms for the web now. So basically, instead of having the InfoPath viewer or whatever being required to to make these forms, it's just generating forms right within your SharePoint application. So, so why would you use InfoPath for that, not just SharePoint? Well, because then you don't have to. Well, Sahil can tell you this, but I, I'm 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 thinking that it's more of being generated directly from the data. 
Well, okay. So the the power of InfoPart 2007 is that you author the form once, and then the form can be rendered in multiple containers. The multiple container could be, as Carl mentioned, web, or it could be a Windows app, ASP.NET app, an Outlook email message, the document information panel or file properties inside of a Word, Excel, or PowerPoint doc, or or basically anywhere else. And wow. Yeah. So imagine this, uh, Richard, that you create a little form in InfoPath, which, by the way, is very easy to create when you compare it with, say, an ASP.NET form. Uh, an end business user can create a form, uh, InfoPath form a lot easier. Um, it uses concepts such as AJAX, wherever appropriate, or it simultaneously is able to render that in a thick client application if you want. Uh, it is it, it renders with very high fidelity, and it renders in very high fidelity across operating systems and across uh, browsers. So once you can, and, and it can talk to uh, different backend data sources like SharePoint lists or web services or SQL Server, and this this entire solution that you build out of InfoPath can be very easily packaged and deployed on a SharePoint farm or your custom .NET application. So once you consider that, uh, you know this this just opens a, a lot of new possibilities as far as InfoPath goes. All right, I get that. And, I, and, it, and it hits on something really key to me that I think both, you know, now you've explained InfoPath and I think, and SharePoint is a significant feature as well, but it's one that I, I struggle with out in the field. And I'd be very interested in your input on this, which is that whole concept of users creating content for other users, like them building forms. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and SharePoint itself is big on that creating, uh, allowing the non-developer to create these structures. Mm-hmm. I just, it, it, it harkens back. I'm showing my age here. It just harkens back to that whole giving a guy a copy of Crystal Reports so he could build his own reports, mm-hmm. which was just an incredibly effective way to hammer the database. The guy well, didn't understand joins and he pulled four tables into a report with Cartesian product joins across all of them. Right. Should it so, could, should the crystal mm-hmm. report end user thing really let you do joins? <laughs> you know, maybe that's the problem. Well, if you let the user shoot themselves in the foot, chances are they probably will. Maybe you should just let them call store procs. That would be better. But since you bring reports up, and actually, so let me let me explain how SharePoint can solve that problem, and and you know how it can contribute value. So we're familiar with SQL Server reporting services, right? Right. Okay, so with SQL Server Reporting Services comes with this little website where you can create a report in our RDL using the BI Intelligence Studio. Yep. And then and then you can upload that onto the website, and bingo, the report renders in the browser and looks so nice and whatnot, right? Right. Okay. Now, now obviously the client is going to say, well, can I have this report as a part of my uh, website? And can you create a subscription on this so this report is run on a monthly basis and it is emailed to this guy uh, at a regular interval? And by the way, when you're at it, I'd like to brand the SQL Server Reporting Services website on my, based on my corporate look and feel. And I'd also like to restrict users uh, based on certain access rights that, you know, certain users can see certain reports and certain users can't see other reports. Yeah. 
And by the way, while while you're at it, I also want to be able to add uh, ad hoc reporting capabilities like Hyperion or Cognos or any one of those products, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And and that's where the, the pure SQL Server reporting services guy will say, good luck can't be done. Yeah, have right? a good time. You have exactly. fun with that. Yeah. Now, now, let's throw SharePoint into the picture, right? SQL Server reporting service, and I just published articles on this on my blog. I'll shoot you the link afterwards. Okay. Um, SQL Server reporting services can now work in SharePoint integrated mode, which means that you can author the reports in SQL Server BI Studio and then just right-click deploy, and they get deployed to a document library on SharePoint. Right? Okay. okay. They, get, they get deployed to a document library on SharePoint, and they use data connections that sit in a data connection document library inside of SharePoint. Hmm. So multiple reports will have the capability of using credentials that the developer does not manage, but the administrator manages. And those credentials have the ability to use things such as Office single sign-on or, or even authenticate the end user's Windows ID and pass it on to uh, another backend system if you're using Kerberos. Now, once yeah. you've created these reports, you can easily render them using out-of-the-box web parts in SharePoint, and that allows you to export this report to an MHT, TIFF, or JPEG, or whatever you want. Not only that, you can create subscriptions on those reports. So right through the browser interface, a user can create a subscription for himself and say, this report, run it, create a snapshot of it, and send it to me as an email uh, every morning at 6 a.m. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of these things, and they just keep coming at you. Right. I'd like you to think for a minute about the project you're working on right now. When was the last time you ran a profiler on it? Maybe you tried that in the past and had mixed results. I bet you didn't use the Ants profiler from Redgate Software. Ants is the .NET profiler of choice for over 11,000 developers worldwide. Ants analyzes your code and provides detailed data, letting you easily identify bottlenecks fast. It only takes a few minutes, and it's so much easier to organize your application when you know exactly where to tweak for performance. Ants runs against both ASP.NET and Windows applications, and at $2.95, you can't afford not to run it. To get your hands on a 14-day free trial, go to www.red-gate.com slash DNR slash Ants Profiler, or if you can't remember that, just go to shrinkster.com slash TQ9. I think these are very key points that, mm -hmm. in the past, trying to do this sort of integration was almost a bigger project than just writing it yourself. Right. right. So the fact that we've now got integrations that are working, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly SharePoint is the hub of everything. Right. Now, and, and by the way, it is very easy to uh, to brand this portal based on your corporate needs. So it won't even look like SharePoint. It just looks like a reporting portal that you would have otherwise paid a million dollars for. You know, Sahil, that's a very good point. And you brought that up twice during our DVDs uh, recordings. And that is, you showed me some sites that were amazing looking, and I'm thinking, what is this? And you're saying, this is a SharePoint site. SharePoint. So it used to be in, in previous versions of SharePoint that you knew when you came to a SharePoint site. It had right. that look, right? Yeah. But now you do not have to, you don't have to have that look at all. So I'm going to quote Ted Pattison on that, that he, he said that in a Share, with the SharePoint 2003 site, you can always tell that it's a SharePoint site, but you can't tell it much. 
<laughs> tell it much. That has got a great sense of humor. But I tell you, that is absolutely right on the money. And 2007 does not have that problem at all. 2007 right. is extremely easy to customize. But, you know, before I get off of the topic of reporting services, if I got you excited about what reporting services and SharePoint can do together so far, check this out. There is another concept in which you can create a report model, not a report, right? And this is a SQL Server BI concept that you create a report model in which you create a data source view in which, based on multiple data sources where you pull the data from, you define relationships. And the developer who understands T-SQL defines these relationships, not the end business user. So if you've got a typical OLAP star schema, you create a data source view that represents a star schema. So you got the measures and you got dimensions. And now you compute statistics on this report model. So you, uh, you know, uh, pre-calculate things like average, min, max, and so on and so forth. And then you deploy the report model, not the report, but the report model onto, onto SharePoint document library. Now this is like a bit like a, you know, take and bake pizza. It's not cooked yet. But now what the end user can do, the end business user, the end business user can go and he can create a report based on the report model. And what happens is that in a document library, you say load and report builder through just through the browser, and SharePoint downloads and installs a click once application on your machine. And the end user simply drags, drops the, the, the fields that he's interested in seeing in the report and it's saved, and the document library gets the, the report gets saved into the document library, and you're always ensuring that the user that just created ad hoc reports are always running good T-SQL queries that are not bringing your database down. Yeah, it's exciting stuff when when you get set up like that. Like that's just huge potential. But you know, over and over again, when I start dig- talking to people who are getting serious about SharePoint, the thing they struggle with with it is the performance. That it gets successful, people use it, and and they get to this point where now now they really got to struggle with performance. And I, I, I worry that it's not tunable enough. Well, okay, uh, so so that's kind of interesting. I, I want to hear further on why why you say that SharePoint do, does not perform well. Well, I'd say people have problems with the performance of their SharePoint pages. They, is it because they don't know what to tweak? Well, I'm interested in hearing, Sahil, you know, what do you got to do to keep the SharePoint performing well? Like, what happens that people have problems with that? Well, the SharePoint web front ends are 100% stateless out of the box, right? Okay. And while that has the upside that the system is very scalable, uh, not performant, but scalable, that you can add easily add more and more web front ends to your farm and the system starts scaling to whatever needs you want to hit. The one guy that suffers in this entire uh, picture is the database. Because in order to make any system 100% stateless, uh, guess who you're hitting? You're hitting a common policeman of the system, which could be a state server or the database, or you've created a a solution for caching, uh, but... If, you know, you still need to save stateful information, and, and SharePoint or any other ASP.NET web app would basically end up going to either a state server, or it would um, uh, it would basically go to the database for everything it wanted. It can't assume a, a number of things; it just has to go to the database and fetch it or cache it, one of the two. But either way, performance starts to suck 
but scalability goes up. Hmm. But and the, and the architecture is not that complicated. It's just a separate database server which you make as big as you need to, and you can add multiple web servers. It's just because it's no state stored there. It doesn't matter. It, it, right. The web front end. Uh, the web front end is hundred percent stateless. So low balance to your heart's content. Absolutely right. And and this is kind of interesting that you know if you look at the uh, the graph of cost versus overall performance. If you build a farm with a number of cheap web front ends, your costs are more linear and you're able to, you know, for, for, you get more bang for the buck in, in, in real corporate applications where it really matters. Whereas if you were to design a system which relies on a single finely tuned ultra performant machine that doesn't scale well with others, other stateless machines on the side, uh, chances are you're, you're going to end up spending more dollars at the end of the day. And that's really where it matters. So it is possible to get a fairly scalable system out of SharePoint, but scalability and performance are much confused and two absolutely different things. Now, Richard, um, I, I know where you're going with this. Uh, what do you think about the um, about Strange Loop in SharePoint? Well, certainly we're... Strangely, working hard in, in relationship to SharePoint, we're certainly running into issues uh, that folks are, you know, the fact that we have SharePoint folks out there that are looking for performance opportunities is significant. I can't disagree with what Sahil's saying. I, I I mean, I totally buy into performance scalability, two different things. Yeah. Right. But I also think that Microsoft has always given us enough rope to hang ourselves with. Sure. I think there's no doubt in at all in the world that you can build an, a SharePoint page that performs poorly. Sure. Yep. Uh, you know, that's the thing. With, when you build extensible systems like Microsoft always does, um, and, and, you know, the, 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 the rate of change of technology at Microsoft, I mean, you know, all three of us are MVPs and two of you are RDs. Would you agree with me if I said that there is just way too much stuff coming out of Microsoft right now and it is just impossible to keep up with all of that. Well, that's that's a common theme among our guests and among this community. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Silverlight, WCF, WP, you realize WCF, WPF, and, and say Indigo and Avalon were the original names. They've been around for a good two, three years now, right? At least we heard about them a, a, that long ago. And I've got to ask, how many people are really using all this stuff? How many people are using WPF in their uh, in, in production-ready applications? Well, I think WPF is still suffering from a lack of tools. Yeah. Yes. Okay. WPF is suffering from lack of tools. Let's pick WF. How many people, albeit more than uh, WPF, but still, what percentage of systems are using WF? And how many developers out there feel absolutely comfortable that they can architect a system using WF that will that and they're they're absolutely confident that they're not shooting themselves in the foot by doing so. I and I and I'm with you. I don't think it's that many yet, but I still think WF is young. I'll believe in WF through and through when BizTalk uses it. Huh. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when Microsoft starts eating their own dog food, and I'm sure they're headed this way, that's when we see that this product's untouchable. You know, why do you believe in the .NET framework? Microsoft's built a lot of code on the back of the .NET framework. Yeah. But it aren't... I, okay, I don't know if this is NDA or not, but I'll take the risk. 
but um, aren't like the, the components of WF and WCF sort of headed in a direction where uh, they're going to be a part of the OS anyway? So where BizTalk is headed in the future is also going to be kind of interesting. Oh, I, I tend to agree. You can argue, we can argue all day long, and we don't know the answer to this, as to whether BizTalk will continue to be a product. But right. there is... The fact that, that Microsoft's moving to a centralized workflow solution, because workflows needed all through different products. Why is there more than one? Shouldn't right. there just be one great one? You know, in some respects, you can see that's how the, that's where the .NET framework came from. It's the collision of the VB library and MFC. Hmm. Why do we have these two frameworks? They should be one. Well, you know, I have a different theory in that. I think .NET came around because COM just started sucking really bad. <laughs> well, it was supposedly COM 3.0, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what it was well, and I, I, think, right. I think it's all of those things. Right. I think they needed a better solution for language. I think they needed a unified library model for Windows application development. I think mm-hmm. they needed a, uh, a better solution than COM. All right. of those things were needed, and we saw it manifest in .NET as a whole. And I think we're still seeing that going on. WF, to me, is the clearest indication that this continues, that it's silly to make multiple workflow solutions so you build – you that becomes a product unto itself. That doesn't automatically discount the existence of BizTalk. It's just that a piece of BizTalk is now using a library that you should already know, that you'll be able to integrate with, and so on. It's the same sure. as – Biz talk using calm. Well, let's get back to SharePoint, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, Do we have to? Yeah. Let's talk about some sites that are using SharePoint uh, that we know and love. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'm maintaining a list of all publicly facing websites that are using SharePoint. Okay. And, and there are like hundreds of them, and you'll be able to see how ultra customizable they are. So can I just shoot you a link of that after the show? Sure, I guess we could. Uh, you could link to that. Uh, you have a list on your blog. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay, great. Can you can you pick one? Yeah, pick one or two. Um. Okay. Uh, one of the first publicly facing SharePoint sites that I saw was WesternAustralia.com. Uh, if you, if you go to this site, it uses this wonderful flash banner at the top, and it, it absolutely doesn't look like a SharePointy site. Uh, another one of my favorites is uh, uh, conservation.org. Um, again, if you go to this site, you'll be amazed at how non-SharePointy it looks. You know, there's there isn't anything that a designer can imagine that cannot be implemented in SharePoint. I, I mean, of course, it, you know, it has to be realistic. Also, you know, don't imagine something that's going to come read your mind and will be a this interactive 3D environment in which you'll get lost. I mean, let's not go crazy. But anything that, that that you can imagine of implementing in an ASP.NET or a sample web page can be implemented in SharePoint. Uh, a couple of other ones are, uh, uh, there's a site called wisewomen.net where it is a W3C compliant SharePoint site. Um, there's an accessibility kit for uh, SharePoint, AKS, which just came out, which lets you create W3C compliant sites. It's not a site, but it's something worth checking out. Uh, there is uh, glue.com. There is uh, glu.com. Uh, there is Hawaiian A- Airlines website. Uh, and hmm. there are probably hundreds that I'm forgetting right now. Well, and it's impressive that these are big sites. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not uh, little marginal applications like Conservation International. That's a significant organization and, and a, probably a really busy website. 
Yeah, and, and you know, if you're on a computer, go check it out. It, it is amazing how nice that site looks. Uh, it, it's it's just uh, it's just amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you know, three cheers to the team that developed that from a SharePoint perspective. That uh, it, it's it's a it's a very nice looking site, and it's it's built entirely on SharePoint. I wonder what the first version looked like. Off conservation.org. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, what's fascinating about this is that they, w- that whole three days up thing, mm-hmm. when you start getting the features in place, probably didn't look as great. But so, how much of that code from that first version persists anyway? Because you're able to reskin and create these new looks so that you can get uh, uh, a great looking site. Like the end game is so nice, right? But you can, you don't have to, you don't have to have the skin plan first. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can right. build in any order you want and ultimately end up with the same ending. So that's actually a very good point you bring up, that SharePoint can be used in so many different forms. Uh, that, uh, And this is why, you know, coming up with good software management, it's very hard to put SharePoint in a box with finite dimensions. So in this scenario, I would assume that they were using SharePoint as a web content management system. And right. when you're using web content management, SharePoint is a web content management system, you don't build the looks in afterwards. You build in the looks at the beginning of the, really? of, of the project. Yeah. Huh. So you would start with an information architect organizing information across your system, creating wireframes out of that, then creating comps, turning those comps into HTML, and then applying that HTML to master pages and page layouts inside of SharePoint, and then creating the pages. So, you know, so the process is sort of upside down, if you may, but the first version of conservation.org came, that, that came out, which since then it has been redesigned, but the screenshot, we actually uh, have a screenshot of that in the DVD that, that Carl and I put together. And in the DVD, you're going to see the older version, which didn't look bad at all. Right. The newer version just looks better. Yep. But yeah, when you're using SharePoint as a WCM, uh, you know, the, the power is, it, it, WCM was a logical choice as far as SharePoint goes. Because imagine a site like whitehouse.gov. Uh, that doesn't run on SharePoint, but just theoretically. You want to be very careful of what content you put out on whitehouse.gov, yeah. right? It, it, not just spelling mistakes, but you put out something wrong, it, it could cause, you know, lives and wars. Cause a big ruckus. Exactly. Big ruckus. So you want to make sure that you have a very clear workflow of of making sure that that content is audited and goes through a proper approval process. And by the way, when it does get published, there should be a decent archiving policy, uh, a decent records keeping policy behind that. So five years later, when somebody says, I want to know who published that article uh, on whitehouse.gov in 1996, you should be able to dig out that information. And SharePoint, with its workflows and records management capabilities, will let you do exactly that. And because it is built on ASP.NET 2.0 and uses master pages and page layouts, which is a SharePoint concept, it's not an ASP.NET concept, but it applies very well to WCM scenarios, that you have, when you put these two together, you have a very configurable WCM system with Rich features such as auditing, records management, and, and workflows powering the engine behind this WCM. Yeah. And, and that becomes a very, very compelling uh, uh, pie. 
Sahil, since uh, since we released the video, is there anything that's changed in um, SharePoint 2007 or any anything that um, is new and exciting? Uh, well, new and exciting stuff keeps coming out. The, 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 the new thing I would say is Visual Studio 2008. Yeah. Uh, and Visual Studio 2008 has uh, SharePoint workflow templates and Vista uh, templates built right into it. Um, however, I think Visual Studio 2005 templates are a little bit better. Uh, I think with time, the 2007 templates, uh, 2008 templates are going to get better. But uh, I think 2005 templates are a little bit better. And Visto templates are are about the same. So you can get the same experience in, in VS 2005, uh, except in VS 2005, it, it actually damn well works on Vista, you know, so that's uh, 2008, I mean. Yeah. Now, now you're just being difficult. So I, I pulled up archive.org, and if you don't know what that is, yeah. where you been? Yeah, that's the... And right. went and looked at conservation.org. Websites that don't exist anymore. Yeah, well, websites don't exist, but also, you want to know the history of a website? Archive.org archive. will tell you. So what you know, does the, it look like, conservation? Well, the site started, the first pages that are in archive.org are from 1996. Oh, wow. But it didn't actually flip over to ASP.NET until the middle of 2007, till like June, July 2007. Wow. Yeah, that's when it was. It came out on SharePoint. So right. I'm guessing in '96 it wasn't a SharePoint 2007 uh, site. No. So, <laughs> so, so when it first flipped over to ASP.NET 2.0, was it a pretty looking site or was it an out of the box SharePoint site? I, I, I think it was probably a pretty looking site when it came out because because I, I sort of know the guy that uh, that, that developed it. But anyway. Uh, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, it just came up. Oh, it did? Oh. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I got to see this. <laughs> I got to see this. Anyway. Yeah, the first one that I can get to come up is like July of 2007. And it looks ugly? It's, uh, well, the bunch of stuff isn't working. You know, which is pretty normal with archive.org, uh-huh. but it's a very different site from what uh, what you see on the mm-hmm. on the regular site. You know, there, there's one thing though, uh, but it, and, and you know, one thing to realize is that, and again, this is my personal view that the WCM portion of SharePoint could use improvements. Yeah, um, and, and you know, a good savvy ASP.NET developer can implement those improvements himself. But but I, I just want to make the point that out of the box. It could use improvements. For instance, all URLs start with slash pages. Slash right. pages. Slash. That's probably the best way of telling the thing's still a SharePoint site. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, you could write an HTTP module or use the IS7 pipeline to do URL rewriting, but, but you know, that should be built into the system, right? Yeah. Okay. Another one is that uh, it totally ignores SEO. Search engine optimization. Huh. Yeah, and, unfortunately. And, right. And SEO is actually another one of the reasons why I think Silverlight is not a game changer. I, sorry, I keep coming back to that. Because today, when anybody puts an effort uh, in, in creating a website or web presence, they cannot ignore a search engine. And no, right. SharePoint's HTML out of the box has got a lot of view state in it, and it's got a lot of gunk in it that just it, it just does not sit well with the search engine. Uh, now, of course, a smart developer can fix all that, but you know, then you basically you're talking hours. Uh, well, then, unless unless you use the uh, Strange Loop appliance, Strange Loop will help you in caching, right? Well, it helps in so many things. 
Yeah, it affects a lot of different things. So it's in you know SEO is not something we're particularly focusing on yet, mm-hmm. but it's certainly on our radar. Man, if you can solve that problem, uh, that would be totally worth it. And not just caching, but also the view state and session and um, uh, what else, Richard? Well, yeah, laundry exactly. list. I mean, it's all kinds of different features. Uh, mo- our, our primary thing <laughs> is focusing on scalability, yeah. right? But uh, but certainly other opportunities out there as we move through right. picking features, right? Right. And, and another thing about WCM that I wished it did better was um, create better FiveWord compliant and W3C compliant pages. Um, which, you can, which you can do, right? It's just hard. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure, you can row to Japan in a little boat, but that's not the best answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so hard to implement a 508 compliant or a W3C compliant site in SharePoint. Uh, you know, things like this, the generated HTML quality should have been better out of the box, and it's not. Now, again, a, a good SharePoint guy can fix all that, and you do see value in a system in which you put in effort uh, in, in creating uh, you know, a, a clean HTML generating SEO aware SharePoint web application. It's possible to do that, but then you need a good SharePoint architect for that. Now, we've really focused on the outward facing SharePoint very much as a, the portal site view of SharePoint. What about the office view of SharePoint? Okay, so. According to both, it's great timing. And- Come to the end of the show, we'll just go go into the office portion of this, Richard. How big could it be? <laughs> <laughs> so when you say office portion, you're talking the office thick client, or are you saying internal facing SharePoint sites? I guess it's internal facing. Is internal facing automatically pretty much mean office? Oh, okay, I'm- internal facing. So, according to both Forrester and Gartner, SharePoint is the number one portal product out there. Right. Right. And uh, it is definitely the king of collaboration. In fact, even in 2003, it was. In 2007, it's just gotten a lot better. So um, it, for, with, with SharePoint 2007, I think you will probably see SharePoint 2007 used more as an internal-facing site than as an external-facing site at this point. Yeah. The, the WCM is just release 1.0 so SharePoint goes. You know, and subs- you know, Microsoft gets it right in release three. That's that's the running joke. But right. um, and and if you think about it, WCM is release one dot but internal collaboration as for SharePoint Go is release three dot So internal collaboration is just a it's it's just brain dead. That, you know, that, that's that's the right solution for that purpose. Absolutely, it works. Oh yeah, and it works very well. I mean, it's got so many features, and, and it's called, mentioned we're coming to the end of the show, and I'm saving time for a joke. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> if I if I started talking about all the things you could do as far as collaboration goes in SharePoint, man, we'd be here all night. You know what? It's another show, and I think it we should do show. it. Maybe not today, but it's a whole other show. And, and if the listeners agree, they can send us an email and say so. All right, so joke time. Okay. Make it Make it somewhat clean. Don't make me beep you. <laughs> now he can't think of one. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So can we just say that? All right, if we can bleep a, a bad word, okay, but nothing really disgusting. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> what good is that? <laughs> Not the peanut butter and jelly one. Oh, man, that's, that's the one I had in mind. No. <laughs> oh, 
man. Okay, okay. What about the joke I sent you guys? I uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but you know where uh, you know Richard and Carl are brothers. Go for and it. They're old. All right, That's go ahead. A bad go ahead. Joke. You can okay. do that joke. Okay. So so imagine the scene that you know Richard and Carl are brothers, and now they're old, so they got white flowing beards, and they're sitting in front of their farmhouse in their rocking chairs with shawls on their knees, and they're watching the sunset, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, just like just like you guys sound on the podcast, you guys are talking to each other. And uh, Richard says, hey, Carl, you remember when we were little boys and, uh, you know, this this red, this red Ferrari showed up at our door and this hard looking blonde walked out of the door and Carl, you know, he's dreamy eyed and he goes, yeah. And she said her, her car was misbehaving and she needed a place to to sleep for the night. And then Richard says, yeah, but, you know, uh, dad didn't want to dad didn't want to let her in. Uh, Carl said, "Yeah, Dad was worried that um, she would mess with his. Uh, she she would mess with his uh, his two little boys. That is you and me. So then you know they were uh, in a little pause, and and then Richard says, "Yeah, but Dad did let her in, and uh, you know the and and he he basically set a condition that don't mess with my boys." And then Carl says, "Yeah, but it was I think at two a.m. when she walked into our room." And she said, boys, let me teach you the ways of life. And then, you know, both of them get dreamy-eyed. And then Richard says, yeah, but, but you know, she was careful about, you know, diseases and all. So, so she she made us wear condoms. Uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, so then there was a little pause. And Carl says, hey, Richard, you know, it's been many years since then. Do you think you learned the ways of life? And... Richard says, no, not really. The call says, okay, then let's take these condoms off then. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I don't know why I agreed to let this guy on. <laughs> 300 shows later. Come on, guys. I mean, you know, with my dubious distinction. Hello. All right. Well, Sahil, thanks. It's been great. Uh, always good to talk to you about technology in any way, shape, or form. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. All right, and from Richard and I, we will see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website, at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter van.